Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another AFL Fantasy Fanatics Twitter space. Uh, we're recording live on Sunday, the 5th of February. I'm Bales, your host, and joining me, as always, is uh, Tim. Good day, Tim. How you going, mate? Hey, good, mate. I'm good. Uh, how's your week been, uh, Bales? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, getting into the back in the swing of things after being in America for, for a bit, but um, been good, mate. How's your week gone? Mate, uh, I've, had a bit, I've had a pretty tough week, to be perfectly honest, and I'll... Uh... Kind of got something I wanted to talk about just very, very quickly before we got started. But um, oh, I know some of the guys out there know that I'm kind of going through a pretty nasty divorce at the moment. And uh, we had one of my first hearings at court on Thursday and it was a total disaster. I won't go into any details, but um, oh, it's, man, it's been a been a pretty tough old week for Timbo. And um, I guess the kind of thing, I, you know, I kind of wanted to share that and be open and honest about it. But, you know, one of the things I love about fantasy is, you know, the, the community and the way that we, you know, come together and, you know, Bales, you and I, we've, we've looked at our demographic stats and stuff like that with our podcasts and one of the things that we know is that, you know, about 80 to 90% of our listeners are 20 to 45-year-old men. And, you know, the other thing that I know about that demographic is that the leading killer of guys in that age group is suicide. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a pretty shocking thing and you know it's i think it's seven blokes every day take their own life and you know i'm not saying i'm you know no one needs to be worried about me or anything like that i'm not i'm not suggesting it like that i mean one of the things i'm actually really present to is i'm very lucky i've, I've got a lot of resources and i've got a lot of people around me and i've started things like suicide prevention charities in the past but you know i'm sure there's plenty of people in the community that know you know guys out there that are going through stuff like this and you know now that i'm going through it myself i can see how you know, how, how really tough it is. So, you know, if, you, if you've got guys or mates out there that are, you know, dealing with stuff, like I just encourage you to reach out to them and, you know, check they're doing okay. And, and you know, like I said, that's one of the things I love about fantasy footy, right? It's us blokes getting together and, you know, kind of taking care of each other and having fun and discussing something that we love, you know. So, um, yeah, just let's look after each other, right? Eh? Thanks for sharing, Tim. It's, yeah, it's um, definitely something that, Everyone should be thinking about, but the AFL fantasy community you mentioned is, is fantastic. Everyone gets around each other, and it's a um, really good community, which is fantastic. So, um, we really appreciate it. And I just want to mention quickly as well, on a positive note, to again shout that out that uh, we're nearly five hundred followers on our Twitter account. So, we really appreciate the support you guys have shown to us so far. And also, our last episode, went, uh, first episode, was over a thousand plays. The episode with Jep. So. Really do appreciate all the support, but uh, Tim, mate, we've got a very special guest uh, jumping on with us today. Do you want to introduce um, yeah, the man? Yeah. So, Pete, I, uh, I people know that I love Pete. People know that I'm a little bit obsessed with Pete. I've been calling Pete the Oracle, and I've, I was sternly corrected. You know, if you ever want to think that you know anything, you can let Twitter tell you that you don't, right? So, I was very, very quickly corrected, <laughs> um, and uh, and I am now wearing my shame publicly. The Oracle is, of course, keep lead K's, not uh, AFL ratings, Pete. But at the same time, you know, Pete is uh, is the best single source of news when it comes to AFL and AFL fantasy, and you know what he provides with AFL ratings is, is spectacular. And you know, he, I mean, everyone knows I he's the only account I get notified of every tweet, and. Um, you know, the thing primarily I love about it is that just, you know, it's, it's one-line news. It's not an article where you read, you know, 15 lines of bullshit. It's just, you know, one line, here's the info that you need to know about this particular player. And, and uh, you know, it's, the, like I said, the best single source. So, you know, I've been a, a huge follower of yours, Pete, for a massive amount of years. And, uh, and actually, you know, to kind of kick us off, I know you're keen to get into the players, mate, but I, I do want to know, and I'm sure other people out there want to know as well, like, 
mate, where the hell did you come from? Like, who is Pete? And, you know, where did AFL rating start? And, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and your story, mate, because I don't know. You've just always existed. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on uh, your podcast and all the best for your podcast journey. Um, Creating content in fantasy space, it can be difficult at times, but I just listened to your story there, Tim, so fully supportive out there. And I think most people listening to that would be fully supportive of you there as well. Bailey, hopefully you had a very good holiday in the US. Been there multiple times myself. Oh, thank you, Pete. Been there multiple times myself and absolutely love it. Especially going to NFL and NBA games. Uh, it's pretty much a whole lot for me every time I can get over there. Uh, so just a little bit, bit, little bit uh, about my background there, Tim. A uh, little bit boring, sort of Bill Belichick just doing my job type role. Um, so pretty much lived in the analytics space and um, bit of betting background there as well and pretty much started AFL rating is pretty much based on, you know, trying to tell people um, a bit about reality and truth and and started back in like 2008, 2009 and um, it, was, it was pretty much the start of the social media um age where facebook was only two or three years at uh of age and uh yeah it's just was trying to get out there and just tell the story and uh, from the betting point of view it was you know you get a lot of misinformation out there on um injuries and teams and you know from the betting point of view who to bet on and you know people who don't track news thoroughly and and with some clarity you know they get absorbed into you know false narratives and so that's pretty much where I started that background. So it's pretty boring stuff and, and obviously sort of evolved into what it is now and uh, short, sharp information, trying to be as clear as possible as well. Moved into this fantasy space ooh, almost 10 years ago now and hopefully being able to provide some clear and concise information for plenty of people. Uh, the clicks I get through uh, onto the website are... are actually do stagger me at times. Um, so much appreciated for that. And yeah, it's pretty boring stuff actually. And that's pretty much it. Well, mate, we just, you know, we love the work you do and it makes a lot of sense as well because, uh, you know, you, I mean, I guess you want to know who's talking real, then, you know, you listen to the people who are putting their money where their mouth is. Right. And, uh, I had heard a little rumor that maybe that was your, uh, you know, one of the ways that, uh, well, why you were so committed to the news. So, uh, it's, it makes total sense that your, your information is so on point and, um, and just straight into the fact, right, because that's, that's what, you know, people doing that need. So, uh, yeah, man, I, just, I think it's fantastic and we just love all your work and I know the community is, uh, is hugely appreciated, mate. But uh, we know how you like to, you know, not waste time and get into the details. So uh, let's give the, uh, the people what they want, mate, and let's, let's get into talking about uh, all the clubs and, you know, we're going to go through a, a couple of players or the most relevant players in each club and, you know, Pete's going to kind of let us know the, the most important track-watching updates and the things we need to know. And, you know, we've also had a, you know, a few questions from, a, well, a bunch of questions really from the community, so we'll slot them in where they're appropriate as well and, and we'll give people all the, uh, the up-to-date info they need on all, all the most relevant players going around. All good. So we're going to be short and sharp here on, on most of the updates. So we've got 18 clubs to get through. So that's going to be a bit of time spent um, going through. So again, pretty much the what I deliver um, on Twitter and, and the website there, short, sharp info. And then I'll pause on each club and you guys can fire off a, another question, another player there as well. But uh, let's get stuck into it. So I'll do my spiel pretty much what I do on the podcast. And 
We love it, Pete. Get yeah, into well, it. It's actually really important. So you did mention the date there, which is quite important to, you know, when, yeah. when, when a podcast has been recorded because February uh, 5, Sunday night. And, uh, of course, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. And things like things change really quickly. It's like last week we had Darcy Cameron in there, Max Gorn a couple of weeks ago. And then, obviously, on Saturday, Zach Williams, unfortunately, does his ACL on Friday, and that really changes. Like it could be a, a quite a significant dynamic for Sam Doherty potentially. So you know things travel re- really quickly. I remember when, and I know I think Warner's is listening to this, and he can attest to this as well. So when I was listening to uh, the Traders podcast, and like just for like obviously several years, and that is that you know that they would put out put out quality content, and then by the time it hits podcasts uh, the next day, and you know the updates and the the audio would go and people would start to complain about, um, you know, not accurate sort of type information update. But what the people, what the listeners didn't actually realise is that it was recorded as at a specific time and then by the time that they went and listened to a podcast, you know, news had developed since then. So, you know, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. It's pretty much, I don't even have to read that anymore as well. So, again, things change very quickly. Uh, from my point of view personally... Um, missing a week or three consecutive training sessions may become a, a decision for certain fantasy coaches. I think that's about the standard. Now, a decision doesn't mean to say that you're not going to start them. A decision means that, you know, just take into account if you're starting with them at round one, uh, you know, go back and say, well, they did have an interrupted pre-season. So it's not necessarily, you know, but, you know, just take it into account. And throughout pre-season, for me, from my personal point of view as well, it's, it's not just one piece of information that, that can be critical to, to a decision. It's multiple pieces of information that you put together because you want a full picture of each player, each team, and how they're you know, sort of playing. And so, therefore, you can create a, a squad from that. So, uh, if you want to get started, we can get started on Adelaide. Love it. Let's do it. Okay, Adelaide, I think you know, they're going to be in the final stages of their list build now. Um, I think they're going to be pretty consistent through that midfield. Now, interestingly, Sam Berry this week did say that he's looking for more balls. So that's one player, and obviously he's, he's priced um, a little bit up there. But if he's looking for more ball, his tackle numbers are quite elite. So um, he's playing inside midfield, and that's not going to change this year as well. Jordan Dawson. The thing about Dawson was that, you know, the coaching staff at Adelaide last year, and this is one thing that has stuck with me until this year, is that they would move Dawson ahead of the ball and into the half-forward type role, an outside wing midfield type role, when they had to chase the game. So when they needed scoreboard pressure, that's where Dawson would move up the ground. So he slotted for a half-back role this year. So if you think Adelaide are going to be quite competitive and put a, a couple more wins on the board from what they did last year, you know that's got to sort of play into the role of Dawson spending more time around half-back role. But I know that you've got Malira in there as well and Brody Smith there as well. So, But, you know... He'll flex out of that halfback while well, you just got to take it in, into consideration. If you're, I think there was also a bit of an update from Tom Doty. I think when he was mm. on the Traders podcast as well, and he, he made a couple of comments. I don't know how serious they were about Jordan Dawson because it was a bit of a, a little bit of a throwaway comment. But he he was talking about him getting a bit more up the yep. ground, which raised a bit of a flag for me. And um, you know, I've been a bit of a Dawson fan, but he's not in my team right yeah, now. Yeah, so you, so pretty much it'll be a majority halfback role. Uh, he could see inside mid-roll this year, but you've got a stack of players going through that Adelaide midfield now, including Rankin and Michelli. Uh, but, yeah, if they want to chase the game, and this is where I've thought about it, you know, if Adelaide are going to prove this year, halfback might be 
the majority or most of the role for Dawson this year. And he can score, obviously, as well. And from Rory Laird's point of view, I think his centre-bounce numbers are going to be super strong again. Um, obviously, he's a high-ceiling type player, but he does come with expense there as well. So I'll throw it back to you guys for a bit of a chat or conversation, and then we'll get back into mm-hmm. Brisbane. Bailey might be levitating right now after your comments about Rory Laird. So, uh, Bales? <laughs> oh, I'm a, everyone knows I'm a big Rory Laird fan and, and he hasn't moved. So, uh, I think he's, he's still going to stay there. I'm going to stay strong, I think. But uh, you never know when it comes to uh, making a team uh, just for the season. You never know. I might need that cash to go on top of someone else. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's too much else to discuss. I think that was really all the relevant players from Adelaide. Unless, Tim, you want to touch on anyone from Adelaide nah. there quickly? Not really, no. Uh, any updates about Malera, how he's tracking? Is he tracking all right at the Yeah, moment? we're pretty much going to have to wait to see how pre-season games track in because obviously last year they were promoting uh, Malera uh, as being that halfback role and you know, or in the team at least, and there was potentially a half-forward role as well. And then, you know, a week or so, whenever it was going to be, you know, he, he looked like he was really out of touch. Obviously, a long injury history there as well. So I think this is one we're going to have to wait for the practice matches. Where does he slot in? and to see what um, the coaching staff at Adelaide do there. So this is this one might take a couple of weeks to evolve. Awesome, mate. Moving on to Brisbane. I can't the line. So they're a seasoned team now. They're going to push for a premiership this year. So I think uh, what we're going to see is a lot of um, similar type structure. So I don't think they're you know in a situation where they're going to experiment, experiment too much. Excuse me. So um, I think... I think, you know what, I think they've got really good through that midfield now. Obviously, Lyons is in there, had a go on too late last mm. year as well. But you throw in Dunkley there as well. And listen, Ashcroft, like like he, like he, from all reports, um, and I haven't seen him in action since he has uh, joined Lyons, I can't wait to see him in a practice match and see what he's like. Because um, from everyone, every report I've listened to, audio, um, it, like he's just, he's absolutely killing it. So... Yeah, I can't wait for him. Um, he's in my team. He's not moving one bit at all. So he'll be a start for me. So that's the one on Will Ashcroft. Um, he'll see centre-bounce action there as well. Um, bit of mid-time. Maybe maybe not super high game time to start off with. Um, there was a little bit of talk there a couple of weeks ago that you know they might have to manage him there. But you know if he's ready to go, and, and Chris Fagan last year said he, he could have played last year. So for me, he's ready to go. I don't think there's any issues there. Darcy Wilmot's an interesting one because he came into that Brisbane team last year and he obviously is bottom price for us to start round one. But it is highly competitive, that halfback uh, spot at Brisbane because now we get Connor McKenna in there as well. You've got Rich, you've got Slasovic there. Cam Rayner has been playing cross halfback just as, as an experiment, but I don't expect him to start there whatsoever. Whatsoever, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, Wilmot's up against it to be in that round one team. So you just want to take that into consideration there as well. Uh, Do you think McKenna is best 23? Uh, That's one we're going to have to wait for in a couple of weeks. I think it's fringe fringe player for McKenna at this stage, and that's Wilmot's probably in that same scenario for him as well. Um, And just Mm. the last one there on Josh Dunkley. So he'll go inside midfield. We know he pushed forward as a Bulldog. So I think pretty much a similar type role as what we'll see at Brisbane there. Um, Everyone that's talked about Josh Dunkley recently... They're talking about his defensive pressure. We know he's got a strong tackle game, so if he can punch a couple of extra tackles on his uh, stats from last year and, and recently at the Bulldogs, I think we could be in for a pretty strong average there. So over to you guys. Yeah, well, just on Dunkley, yeah, that he's just with that he could that he could really. I know Warney said this that he could really push for that um, that top scoring player in fantasy, and that's why he's that number one pick in 
in draft uh, and going pick at least pick one or two. So, yeah, Tim, I'd, I assume Dunkley's locked in for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, both Ashcross, Dunkley locked. I mean, Darcy Wilmot, um, I can't remember. I remember seeing a report, I'm sure it was on AFL ratings, um, that it was him and another player that were basically competing for the spot. I mean, obviously, being basement, you know, if he's playing, he's locked in. I mean, I, I do know that a lot of people are looking at Connor McKenna, but, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people have been talking about him at D5, and I just... Yeah, I mean, obviously, if we're short of rookies, but I just can't get seeing anyone paying for 370-odd K or whatever it is for a D5. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure he's there round one. So, um, yeah, we'll just wait for, you know, practice matches and the official practice match will tell us a lot there. So, if you're locked in there. Yeah. And the the one thing that I would look, for, look out for in Connor McKenna is that when they play that official practice game, and if you've got Foxtel and you can Fox footy, you can watch this, the thing that I want to see Connor McKenna is on the ground at the first siren in that last official practice match. Because that, that, that might tell a little, little bit of a story where they actually see him. If he's on the bench, extend the bench, limited game time, that's trouble. Yeah. Yeah, cool. No one else for me. Okay, on to the next one. So we'll go Carlton now. So um, as last year, Michael Voss, so this is a strong contested type game, and I think that will stay again this year. Um, on to Sam Doherty. So, Zach Williams, again, unfortunately, does his ACL uh, a couple of days ago. And what we're going to see uh, potentially is Sam Doherty go back to a half-back line. So, um, it's a bit contentious. Obviously, uh, there are multiple players that can go through the midfield or even cover off in Zach Williams across a half-back line. But the, the way I thought about this, it might be a little bit different to others, is that if you, Zach Williams quite experienced halfback. You can take the ball out of D50. Now, Sam Doherty is even super experienced, and, and people don't like this term, but it's a quarterback-type um, role, is that he can manage that ball exiting D50. And I think that's actually really quite important. So you know, Zach Williams would have been okay, but, you know, take him out of there. You just don't want two players out of that area of the ground and, yeah, it's really, for me, I'm, I'm really leaning towards Carlton making that move of Doherty back. So we'll see in the next week or so when reports start to come out with regards to Carlton's practice matches if Doherty moves to the half-back line. So that's actually quite important there as well. So the other one there is if, if Doherty comes out of that midfield and goes to a half-back line, what you're going to see there is that they still need to actually still cover off on Sam Walsh. So the Carlton midfield might be just a little bit weak in there. So if they start to lose ball through the middle of the ground because their depth is not as good as what they would have if Doherty was in there, you know, they might start to concede a few more inside 50s or be pressured with that ball living inside Carlton's D50 for, for long periods of time. Now, if that's the case, you've got to imagine that Doherty is just going to go nuts with all these plus sixes. Podcast, obviously, that number there. So, yeah, you just, just want to keep... A, a, a really strong look at the the next couple of weeks and reports coming out of where Doherty's playing. If he's still in that midfield, okay, okay they might have uh, locked in a, a different type player or they might have actually started to trial um, different players in the areas and over a couple of weeks. That's not to say that what they do initially is what they're going to go with at round one. Let's just see how this evolves out of, of the last three or four or five, six weeks going into round one. And the next one there, Sam Walsh, obviously... Well, the latest sort of reports is like you, you're probably talking about four or five weeks into the season on his return. So back injuries aren't great, um, but he's um, now into a running program. So he'll get there eventually, and he's absolutely, obviously super diligent there as well. So, you know, if it's Doherty into that midfield, we're, we're probably talking at about a, a four to five week range there as well. Either role is fine for me, 
But, you know, if Doherty goes to the half-back line to start the season, I am super interested to start with him at round one. And the last one there is Patrick Cripps. Um, obviously, with Voss coming in there last last year um, for his first season, you know, strong contested midfield type, type game, and, and Cripps was at one. I think he'll put up strong numbers there again this year, and he's having a pretty solid preseason there as well. So thoughts on any one of those, guys? Well, I just had a question about how, like now with Zach Williams going down, Doc moving back, how that might impact Chera. I know Jep's been pretty uh, high on Chera. I mean, there was a few concerns, obviously, that with Doc maybe playing in that midfield, it might push him a little bit further outside. But what do you think there, Pete? Yeah, you've got Hewitt Kennedy. uh, You've got uh, Cripps there as well. Um, I think they'll be pretty solid, but yeah, my first thought was when this was came out yesterday uh, via Mitch Cleary, and it, it, like it, the punch that news out at first was amazing. So um, yeah, my first thought was was that yeah, that's that's too much experience out of that back line. So Doherty goes back for me. Mm. But you know, yeah, yeah. The, the crucial thing here is that what I think is probably irrelevant. We we and this is the one thing fantasy coaches may struggle with over the time is that my thoughts are irrelevant. It's actually we need to find out what is actually happening because if my thoughts are Doherty should go half-back and he plays midfield, well, then I'm wrong. So, But I have to accept mm. and adapt to that. So yeah, let's see yeah. how this flushes out. And it can be really, uh, you know, you can pay the price because he's, I mean, currently he's the highest price player sitting yep. in my team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually don't have him. Oh, actually, sorry. I made the switch last night and put Doherty. <laughs> Yeah, only because just the way I think it could play out. You know, if they're a little bit weakened through that midfield, you're going to concede down three or four, maybe five more inside 50s uh, per game. There's going to be a pressure on that D50. You get that ball living in that D50 area, the top of the ground, and that's where Doherty is prime time right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Captain option? Uh, Certainly, for sure. Moving on to the Pies, mate. On to Collingwood. So this is my team. Uh, obviously, take a, a closer look at the Pies more than anyone else. Although I'm pretty balanced about my team. So I think we'll play a similar style to last year. Uh, there'll be a couple of positional moves that we need to take into consideration there. I'll go through these uh, players in, in the first couple. And there's some really, I think there's some really important players to talk about here as well. I mean, obviously, Dacos really highly owned, Tommy Mitchell really highly owned, you know, Darcy Cameron's pretty highly owned as well. And there's, but there's still a lot of questions about all those players. Yeah. So what we'll see there is uh, Scott Pendlebury um, play a little bit more halfback. Now that that's pretty much locked, not locked in for a permanent, but we 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 did see that at the start of last year, and that was the word coming out of Collingwood, and what we did see at the start of last year, and it never really played out that way. Obviously, a few injuries, and Collingwood were really struggling at stoppages, but and so that really forced Pendlebury to go into the middle of the ground. Ali, it was just pure necessity. Now, Tom Mitchell comes into that, and and Craig McRae talked about this significantly all year, pretty much every interview that I listened to him, he just talked about it, and we were just struggling for that um, stoppage clearance type player. So in comes Tom Mitchell. That that pushes Pendlebury a little bit more. He'll still go through the middle of the ground at times, but that that pushes Pendlebury to a half-back line. So he actually could, could get DBP at some stage, I would consider there as well. Um, but the Pies want to move fast. I'm not too sure if that's any type of consideration for AFL Fantasy. And obviously, Pendlebury's getting up there in age. The next one is Nick Dacos. So um, with Mitchell coming in, you know, Dacos will see some centre bounces and he p- provides a different dynamic uh, through that Collingwood midfield. Now, what we're going to see with Nick Dacos is that he'll spend some time and he'll, he's just going to follow that ball around all day. I think this is high proximity to the ball and high pro- proximity to 
high proximity to the ball at a very, very high rate. So, you know, if he gets the ball in D50, he's just going to wait around, wait around, and as soon as it exits D50, what you're going to see is Dacos just, just be like a flight or a barbecue. He's just going to get one, two, three, four, you know, potentially five disposals in one hit transition from D50 to forward 50. So that's the one thing I'm looking out for in pre-season games is that, you know, how close is he to the ball all the way through from D50 all the way through into forward 50? And the last one there is obviously Darcy Cameron. So... Injuries his hamstring. It's not too serious. I think he's good to go for round one. The expectation that he's going to be good for round one. You know, even more, uh, wait into if he plays any preseason game there as well. If he struggles to get any game time in that, you might want to reconsider and visit a decision there. But I think he's good to go. Now, with regards to Darcy Cameron, I expect that... My expectation is that Mason Cox is going to play. Because he just adds a different dynamic to that forward line. Um, and I think he's just too—he's just too tall. So I think that puts pressure on opposition defenses, and that then you put in plays uh, such as Dan McStay and my check there. Is that, you know they can do some damage if the ball is going in a different direction there as well. So it's a dual ruck setup for me. Hopefully that's not the case. My expectation is when they got McStay, it wasn't going to be the case, but I think it's going to be the case. So yeah, uh, but Darcy Cameron, you can play forward, and you know if you. For those guys who track stats, go go and look at Darcy Cameron's average when Brody Grundy did not play last year. So based on his price to start the season, that he offers some value based on what he, what his starting price is at. So thoughts there? Yeah, look, I mean that's that was actually it's kind of the update that I you know I heard was it the first plus six podcast you talked about Darcy Cameron and there's been a little bit of talk. I think did he do a hammy or did he? Um, had a little tweak last week or something like that as yeah. well. So, there, or was there some news about yeah, that? Yeah, so minor hamstring, so he won't he won't be too far away from returning to the main. Yeah, yeah. So it, it did start to have me question again, and I guess I haven't done it yet. But I, one of the things I would I'd actually started bringing it up while you were talking. I started looking at his stats for last year. I wanted to start to get him an idea. You know, I think maybe like you said, we've got to start looking at the stats with him not as the sole ruck. Um, with Mason Cox in that team, and and you know see what uh, where the average is there, but I think there is still a little bit of upside. But I'm just now not sure whether there's enough. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a bit, and he can get there if he starts to dominate games. But yeah, he could rotate forward as well. Yeah, awesome. I don't think there's anyone else in the, from the Pies, mate. Alright, let's get on to Essendon. So. Uh... Uh, Cole Langford coming out this week and he said they're trying to put speed on the ball and they're tr- trying to play a front half game. So that's a bit opposed to what came out a couple of weeks ago. So it's just one of those things. Looking at one training session is not the full picture. You just take a bit of information and start to put the uh, pieces of the puzzle together together over pre-season. So he blatantly comes out and pretty much says it. So that's pretty much, you know, once a player sort of says it, I think that's pretty much going to be on for what Essendon are going to produce this year. So a few players here. So Darcy Parrish, I think, expecting strong midfield usage, centre bounce usage there again as well. Andrew McGrath, we know he's going to a half-back line um, there as well, play off half-back. And Will Setterfield, I wouldn't discount him being uh, up there for round one. He's in a competition for an inside midfield spot. And he offers some, some type of height in that midfield for the Bombers. So let's see, see how Setterfield tracks over pre-season games. If he's in there at that first centre bounce in that last official practice match for the Bombers, you've got to think that he might be a chance to be in that round one team. But, yeah, obviously, uh, and you know, we're look, looking at Ridley there back there. We're looking at uh, Redmond there as well. And he can put up some decent numbers there as well. So they want to play a front-half game. So that means those intercepting types... Uh, with the ball being just like dump kicked out from forward 50 from the opposition, you know, the intercept types can actually start to put up decent numbers there as well. 
Yeah, awesome, mate. We've actually got a question regarding, because I don't think there's too many other really relevant people at Essendon, but we've got a question from Trisso and also from Monty asking about Darcy Parrish, mate. How's he tracking? I, I did see some stuff on social media about maybe it being a little bit of an interrupted pre-season, but I didn't see any sources or anything like that, so I don't know how how uh, trustworthy it was, mate. But uh, you, you'll tell us. Uh, any news yeah, there? Yeah, so, again, hi... High expected high midfield usage, um, centre bounces that'll be included there as well. We know we can put up decent numbers. Again, you know, a lot of these players they do they do sit on the sidelines for training. Sometimes it can, can just be loading, so it might be a few niggles here and there. But the ones that we should be concerning ourselves with regards to injuries, if it's reported in the mainstream media and if it's on the sideline for like more than a week, so that therefore it becomes a decision. You know, missing one or two, you know, because they're a little bit sore or whatever, I'm really not that interested in. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting talking to Dom Sheed. I mean, he said he doesn't run on Wednesdays. Yep. Like, that's just his yep. program. Like, he, they, they're they loading him in, you know, and they're not, you know, trying to max him yeah, out. Missing one training session, that, yeah, okay, noteworthy. And missing two, you go, well, interesting. Missing three, you go, hang on a sec, there might be something up here. Yeah, sure. All right, mate. Moving on to uh, the uh, Purple Boys over here in the West. Fremantle expecting the challenge this year uh, very much so. So likely a control, uh, likely a controlled, methodical ball movement type game again as well. Uh, Justin Longmuir has pretty much come out and said, you know, they want to go fast at times, but you know, at times means to me most of the time you're going to play like you did last year. So which is great for fantasy. So that puts Andrew Brayshaw right in the mix again, even though he's up there in the price head this year. We he put up staggering numbers last year. Um, I took the um, no Western Australian players at the start of last year, and that included yeah. that included Andrew Brayshaw, and it was basically uh, was was just based off you know COVID really hadn't hit Western Australia as well, so obviously I had to eat not having Andrew Brayshaw and it just destroyed my season straight after. But I thought it was actually a pretty good approach. But you know his numbers are staggering. I think he'll be right in obviously his number one mix for Frio in that midfield. High centre bounces, I, I think he's a strong play again. Nat Fife, we do know he's going to play some game time forward, probably mostly forward, I would say, at this stage. But he'll pop into centre bounces when it's required throughout each game. And the one player that's certainly on my radar is Hayden Young. So if they're going to play a slow, methodical top game as what they did last year, you know, Hayden Young's getting into that range now of being fully developed into an AFL player. He's got a good control, good handle on the Fremantle game style. And what you're going to see here is, um, you know, plenty of plus sixes, I presume, from Hayden Young. So we're going to have to look kick-ins or kick-outs, however you want to say it. But he's going to be intercept mark. And he'll pretty much take over that defence for Frio and, and control that ball in and out. So I look for him to have a pretty big season there as well. Thoughts? No, mate. At the moment, uh, Hayden Young is sitting at my uh, D two actually. Um, so yeah, he's he's. I'm pretty strong on him, and I was actually going to ask you about him because yeah, I want to. I'm a little uncertain, but I, I I see upside there. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm committing to Hayden Young. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, any news about Corey Wagner, mate? I mean, there has been a, a bit of talk about him possibly playing. Um, obviously, as a, a rookie, you know, this is someone we kind of want to keep our yeah, eye on. Yeah, a bit of an entry there recently for Wagner. I can't recall exactly what it is at this stage. Um, so, yeah, just keeping an eye on that. So it's interrupted there as well. Um, but what you – I just think his depth at the moment. So Fremantle yeah. are pretty healthy list at the moment. So it's going to be a challenge for spots. And I, Do you see Johnson playing? Say again, sorry. Matthew Johnson? Uh, he's going to be – he might be in that sub-range. 
So that's that's how yeah. they go. And you know, obviously we can't we can't have twenty two, twenty three midfielders uh, playing playing each week. So there's got to be a balance of key forwards, defenders, rucks, and all that. So I think he's in that twenty two, twenty three range, uh, which is probably not really great. Um, but obviously he's basement. So you know, a, a starting a sub first first game. You know, it might even be a decision that if he's starting sub first game, two hundred k. I think it actually it might not be that bad. Um, one last player I want to ask you about at Fremantle, mate, Caleb Sarong. You know, we all know what he's capable of. We know they've been managing him. Well, not managing him, but they, they manage all their young players in terms of their progress time on ground year on year. You know, do you think he can go 105 plus? Because I think that's where it's got to be to make him worthwhile. Yeah, he's a bull. Um, love him. So uh, he'll be at the, the coalface of, of, of winning, trying to win the ball inside. Um, you've got to expect high centre bounce numbers, high midfield usage. So it's all the things that we're looking out for. There's no secondary role for Caleb Sarong. So um, if those numbers start to spike with regards to his time on ground and, you know, you know if he get lucky, he'll be a little bit more developed, obviously, just through age. So I think he's ready to go now from a, from a scoring range point of view. Uh, he'll be up there. It's just whether he can get there. So I don't have a definitive call on whether he can get a 105 plus. But you know what? All we look for is opportunity, and then if he can take the opportunity, he can get there. Um, but he's the one thing that we need to first um, tick off is is it the opportunity there, and it is certainly is there. Right. The cats onto Geelong. So interesting with Geelong. Um, I went down to Geelong a couple of weeks ago, and it was virtually the worst training I have ever been to for any club whatsoever. Now. <laughs> <laughs> what were the Zimmer frames yeah, yeah. out and the wheelchairs <laughs> hobbling around the boundary? No, this, is not, this, is not, this is not putting shade on Geelong whatsoever, but it was vir- vir- it was an open day to their supporters, and it was just a glorified um, training se- uh, sorry signature session. So it wasn't that much. Yeah. So there's no disre- disrespect for the premiers at the moment, but it was just you know it was there was nothing there like um, at all. So. Obviously, they do train away from their main stadium there as well, so they've been getting a lot done. But you know what? It's it's been a slow build for them. So I just wonder if they're going to hit the round running here round one, or they're going to be a little bit behind the pace. Because I've been to like the Kangaroos, man. The, the Kangaroos. That was one of the hardest training, like full on. And apparently, they've been doing it all throughout preseason. So. <laughs> Clarko's cracking. Yeah, the and then you go, and I went to the Bulldogs, and they were, they were the most vocal um, team, and they were really into it. And we'll get onto them later as well. Um, and then I went to Melbourne, and they were so utterly professional, man. They were like, <laughs> like really into each other. Like it was just, it was, and and Simon Goodwin turned into not too sure if you're a fan of Entourage, but he turned into full Ari Gold. They they were full on. But then I went to Geelong, and it was like, you're kidding me. This is it. But, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's on purpose a slow build and obviously they won the premiership last year so they can oh. they can get into it. So there's not much really from Geelong from, you know, they're starting to build up their uh, game simulation minutes from this point onwards. So, you know, they're going to be late evolving with regards to, you know, primary roles and obviously game time and, and obviously best 22, best 23, uh, however you want to look at it this year with the sub there as well. So... Um, I, I expect a similar game style for Geelong this year. Uh, Tom Short is the one uh, for me that I'll be looking at, but I won't be looking at him early in the season because for those guys and girls who who run their stats, you might want to look at his splits for uh, GMHBA Stadium. 
So um, the renovation of that stadium is going to be complete mid-year, and they've stacked a lot of home games late in the season. So what you might be looking, and this is what I'm looking at, once his average goes up at the back half of the season, I want to be a part of that. So hopefully he doesn't go off early, because I think he's going to go off late in the season, and that's one player that I'll be holding on to um, midway through the season for Tom Stewart. And that's basically because they've stacked their games into the second half of the season. Patrick Dangerfield, again, I think there's going to be a bit of a split role. They'll manage him all the way through. Uh, they'll take no risks here with Dangerfield. And that was quite evident last year with regards to you know managing him away from the team so he can get fully healthy and obviously paid uh, handsome dividends in the finals because he was pretty awesome there as well. And Mitch Duncan, this is another interrupted pre-season for Mitch Duncan. So he's with sideline uh, a few weeks ago, but I th- expect him to get there as well. He's quite a mature type player. And, you know, once he can get through to the season, he's fine. So, yeah, just a bit of an interrupted preseason there for Mitch Duncan as well. The one thing that, the one player that I'm really looking at for and keen to see in preseason games, especially where he sits in that midfield for Geelong, is Jai Clark. Now, obviously, Joel Selwood, great career, he retires now, but that's created an opportunity there. So, you've got Tanner Bruin there, Jai Clark there, and a few others vying for that. You know, Parford, can he get in there for, you know, more game time, more centre bounce type scenario? So, you know, there's an open spot there in that Geelong midfield. So I'm just wondering if, if Joy Clark can be a part of that and hopefully he can be a part of that early. So I'm keen to see where he stands in those pre-season games for Geelong. Thoughts there? Well, so, uh, Pete, I just had one question with uh, Mitch Duncan and Tom Stewart. Do you think that they'll um, cut into each other's usage? Well, no. Uh, I'll probably, yeah, no, not, I'll probably sit on the fence with that one. Um, obviously there'll be a bit of ball control from Geelong probably not as much as what we've seen previous to last year but you know Stewart's the one for me just the intercept because they'll try and free him up as much as possible you know Duncan can switch on the outside there up into a wing there as well and this is what we did see in the grand final is that when um, when obviously they had the late injury there and a withdrawal for that grand final team Duncan moved out and up onto a wing, and you know, obviously you can play half back there as well. So I'm not really, I, I won't sit on, sorry, I will sit on the fence with regards to whether they chop each other out. I think that Duncan can get there anyway. Uh, but yeah, for me, just an interrupt, uh, interrupted preseason for Duncan. So a bit of a pass on me early in the season for him. Any um, updates on what might be happening with Jack Bowes? Yeah, this is the one we're going to have to wait and see. So uh, outside midfield, I've heard all sorts of things um, inside midfield. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait to see how Geelong set up. And, again, it's like it's what, what we um, sort of talked about earlier is that, you know, when that last official practice match kicks off, where is Bose and where is he situated? So that will give us an indication. Again, if he's on that bench or if he's limited minutes, uh, could be a bit of a challenge to make that team. But, you know, he he's a mature body. And so let, let's, uh, for me, if I had to guess, I would say be outside um, midfield. Uh, you know, if he's out on a wing there as well, they could be volatile scoring. So it might be an issue there for fantasy. But I don't think it'd be high inside midfield field usage if he's going in there at all. But, yeah, you know, we'll wait and see. I'll keep an open mind for sure. Sure. All right. Beautiful. Let's move on to uh, the largely irrelevant Gold Coast Suns. I think, there, I think there actually is a few players here highly, highly yeah. relevant. Um, oh. So... I think similar game style to last year, so to be higher pressure, get the ball inside forward 50 as much as possible. So the slow ball game from a fantasy perspective is what we look for, and Gold Coast just are not that. 
So they'll try and get there. Um, listening to a bit of our Gold Coast uh, recently, that they want to be highly efficient going inside forward 50 this year, which pretty much doesn't really give us any sort of advantage from a fantasy perspective. Uh, ben Long, he, was, he I think he's starting at halfback at round one. Um, so he's a hard sort of runner, hard body type. So uh, he's apparently fit in quite nicely up on Gold Coast. So you've got to imagine that he's going to be at the halfback. Obviously, Will Powell went down with an injury there uh, recently for Gold Coast, so he's sidelined for quite a few weeks there as well. Tweek Miller, I expect uh, similar, maybe a little bit less centre-bounce midfield usage this year, and that's pretty much to spread the load. That's the message coming out of the Gold Coast this year. It's want to spread the load. Want to, so that means they were really narrow on their centre-bounces midfield usage last year, so they just want to spread the load. So, you know, obviously, if they have an injury, that puts some pressure on depth. So they just want to just spread that out and give some more opportunities there as well. So, But Miller will be high centre bounce usage and high numbers. We can we know he can put up decent numbers. Elijah Hollands, I think he's going out onto a wing. I think he's going to stay there as well. So that might be an opportunity there as well. But, you know, obviously sitting out in the wing can be no man's land with regards to the ball getting to you as well. And a fast ball movement there, and that could be an issue for his scoring at times. Thoughts there, guys? Um, just with Jack Lukosius, um, there's been talk of him uh, playing forward and people want him in defence. Do you expect him to stay uh, in the forward line or what do you see his role for the season I do up? expect him to stay in the forward line. So obviously with Powell going out, everyone thinking Lukosius can go back. Now, that did cross my mind there as well. But listening to Stephen King there this this week, you know he, he said something was quite critical was that Lukosius had been moved around early in his career and they just actually just wanted to settle settle him down and he's been training and, and playing match simulation mostly forward so I expect that settle down comment to play out uh, throughout the season I expect him to play forward yes Beautiful Tim any, any thoughts on any of the goal plus players there at all? Not really, mate. I mean, maybe I jumped to the gun saying they're largely irrelevant, but <laughs> I tell you, I mean, look, I was looking at Took early in the year, but um, I'm also second-guessing myself. Did, was there, did he have a little bit of interruption or something along those lines as well? Like, I can't remember why I faded him, but I'm sure I faded him for some reason. Yeah, not to my knowledge. Maybe it was the news that they were spreading the load, but, uh, but yeah, no, nah, nothing. Yeah, maybe it was just that spread the load uh, sort of uh, information that came out of Gold Coast. So, yeah, that's not... I'm just really hesitant also. Like, I mean, I, I know that it's come on a lot of people's radar and, you know, I don't want to divert the, the conversation too much. But, you know, we have been seeing fantasy scoring trending down as well. And, you know, we did have a down year last year and I, I think people are mistakenly think that it's going to jump back up and I don't know that it is. And, um, you know, particularly with the more teams seem to be changing their game style and moving the ball quicker. Um, and I'm just I'm just very hesitant about paying up for those those big midfields. Yeah, well, from where we were four years ago before COVID, the game has changed. The game has significantly changed, and you know, um, obviously, there's stats there as well. And used to punch in 400 disposals. That used to be like a you know 390 to 400 disposals was a pretty average week. You know, I think 385, just off the top of my head, was pretty average. It has dropped significantly over the last four or five years. The game has changed, so we just need. Have that mm. from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. GWS. Okay, onto the Giants there. So they'll play a front half game. So obviously we have a new coaching staff there at the Giants. So uh, obviously there's a quite a few talking points here as far as players for the Giants are concerned. So Tom Green is one. So what we do see is Tim Taranto go out of that team. Jacob Hopper goes out of that team. That's going to create monster opportunities for 
uh, players inside that midfield. One of those players is Tom Green. I expect very high centre bounce usage, and he's an absolute bull. So, uh, for those considering Tom Green, have a good look at him over preseason games. Uh, again, high numbers expected from Tom Green. The next one here is Harry Himmelberg. So, we did see him go into defence last year, and that was a move by Leon Cameron and the coaching staff. Um, sorry, that was post Leon Cameron uh, and the coaching staff. That was McVeigh to put him back there. So, what we do need to know now is that they're undecided whether they're playing forward or back. So they, for me, that tells me a big answer. This could be a question they're still asking themselves in July and August. And if that's the case, you're going to get potentially either a forward or defensive role, which is, which is great. It'll be some sort of confirmation where he's playing. But if it's a balance of both, you don't want to be starting him at round one and then at round three that he needs to go forward and cover off on Jesse Hogan injury or something like that. So... Um, yeah, for me, there's just there's way too much risk here as far as Himmelberg is concerned. I understand the salary point of view and what he did produce last year in defence, but for me, this is there is there's two check boxes that um, are coming up red for me. That if he is in those, that it's an issue, and there's only one if he's starting in defence. So uh, Giants haven't given us an answer clearly at this stage, and you know what, that might be a question every week from this point onwards. So big risk there for Himmelberg. Um, and the last one there, obviously, again, uh, Hoppin, Taranto at the door. And what we're going to see is Josh Kelly. Uh, surely he's in that midfield and midfield at a high rate. So we know he can put up high numbers there as well. So that's one player that I'm interested in. I don't, haven't really uh, heard him being discussed with regards to the selection as well. But, yeah, I expect high numbers there. But, again, let's just reiterate, they're playing a front-half game. It's a different game style to what we've seen at the Giants previously. They want to move the ball from D50 to F50 very, very quickly. Would would you so? I mean, look, maybe this is my naivety to be about footy, right? But I mean, would you call Josh Kelly an inside mid? He's he, he tends to get a little more on the outside, though, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's not a contested like really getting under that pack type mid. He's a, he's a, he's to receive from Tom Green. So if you can imagine Tom Green on the ground fighting the ball, he's he's, he's, mm. he's giving it out to Josh Kelly. So that's where they fit in. Yeah, so that's, you know, and I, I mean, obviously with their game style as well, trying to move it a little bit quicker, a little bit of a – I mean, he's in my team at the moment. I, he's a bloody gun and he looks like he's value. But, um, but you know, there are those flags and question marks with the new game style. Yeah, the one player that um, I'm significantly looking at for here, um, if he is in that halfback role, uh, he'll be a decision for me. He's Lockie Whitfield. Um, injury impacted last year. Um, yeah, so if it is halfback and halfback only, uh, then he'll be a consideration for me. Let's just throw him in there for the mix. Yeah, you got to consider him. I mean, it's yeah. pretty pretty much first time I've heard him talked about this year, though. Um, yes. Not a preseason. Yeah, not a preseason. We're not talking about Whitfield, I don't think. So um, the only other player I want to ask you, Pete, was uh, Canelio. You do you expect his CBA numbers to be pretty strong with uh, Hopper and Taranto uh, going out, or do you see a forward mid split? I see a very high centre bounce sort of scenario. Again, two two experienced players have gone out of the Giants. You know that they, they need to fill that with experience. So we know, and, and this is the thing about Giants is that they kept recruiting all these midfielders and they couldn't play them, um, and that was the issue with the Giants for several years. So now. They've got, I think they've got the balance right. And I think, obviously, we're going to have Green, we're going to have Kelly, we're going to have Canelio, uh, Perryman. You throw him in there as well because I, I've got to imagine that he's going to be in the mix for you know plenty of inside midfield uh, as well. So just throw him in there as well. Maybe 
and and I know you had a request there maybe from Brent Daniels there as well. So whoever asked that one's actually quite sharp. So we did see under Leon Cameron, Brent Daniels, that he did attend centre bounces at some stages. Now he missed last season, the complete season. He gets a big discount this year. So if he if he's in that like twenty to thirty percent like centre bounce range, that he actually could, might represent decent value. But obviously, if he's playing small forward type role, that you know it could be scores, could be a bit of a struggle there. Yeah, but so to answer your question now on Cornelio, yeah, and I think it's because they've lost the experience. They want that experience in there. Green, Cornelio, Perriam, and Kelly. There's a big offer I'm looking at. Beautiful. All right, Hawthorne. Onto the Hawks now. Um, expect plenty of development opportunities across the season, which could be volatile for many players. So. This is one thing, uh, if you're selecting Hawthorne players, that, you know, just at any stage that Sam Mitchell could flip flip the bill pretty much on what he's trying to do. You know, he he actually posed some, several serious questions to opposition coaches last year, and I thought it was, I thought it was one of the best coaching years from, like, a, any coach. Um, obviously, the one that, that really stood out for me is that you're tagging uh, Langdon from Melbourne. So that, nobody had really even thought of that previously, and he just go right back, bang, we're tagging him. So uh, the other one is even late in the season, Sicily goes up the ground. So he plays further up the ground outside the 50. I expect CJ, uh, Chankov GF, to be uh, pretty dominant and provide plenty of runoff halfback for the Hawks and intercepting type there as well. Uh, but Dylan Moore, that's the one that pretty much I think most people want to uh, know about. I expect some centre bounce usage there as well this year. We know he put up serious numbers when he had opportunities to collect the ball last year. Um, but yeah, you know, we we need to see how this pans out over the next couple of weeks. But don't expect that to be high centre bounce usage. Or if it is one week, don't expect it to be the next because Sam Mitchell will flip the build on any given week, and they're really at a development stage. So. You know, that provides some type of vol- volatility and uh, and provides a lack of consistency on positions throughout the year. So from a fantasy point of view, really got to acknowledge that one there. Uh, Cam McKenzie, so he's tracking well over pre-season. I'll get down to the Hawks the next couple of weeks and have a bit look to to see where I think they're going to set up for the season. But he's one to track for the uh, opening of the season. Hopefully he can be in there at the centre bounces at, um, you know, that last official pre-season game. I'll harp on about it. If he's in that middle, just if he's in that middle to start that last official practice game, uh, it is on and he, he should be playing round one. But then you get players like Josh Ward there as well. Um, I expect him to, he's had an interrupted pre-season as well. I expect him to be at a high rate to his centre bounces there as well. And yeah, the other positional move there, we need to take consideration there as well as Will Day. So apparently he's coming from a, from a defensive type while he's going to move up the up into the midfield, so that you probably got to expect a bit of a mostly outside midfield, I would suggest. But you know there could be a bit of midfield mid usage being mixed in there as well. Thoughts there. So Tim, I think we had we had one player that I think Ben Cunningham wanted to, uh, to know a little bit more about as well. Uh, was it? I think it was Aaron actually wanted to know about Cooper Stevens. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I did think about this one, uh, Cooper Stevens. So maybe. Like, it, there's the opportunity there, but maybe, you know, he would have known that Selwood, or been pretty close to knowing that Selwood was going out of that team. So, if it wasn't going to be uh, last year, it was going to be this year. So, he, he, he should have been acknowledging, you know, the opportunities from Edge along. But then, obviously, uh, the Cats trade for uh, Bozen obviously got that early draft pick, and that means, you know, Dry Clark goes in there. But was that a bit of an indicator that he was willing to move clubs that, you know, where he thought he stood in that situation at Geelong? Because, again, there was an opportunity there. So he moves over to the Hawks. 
So I just wonder where he stands in that picking order for Hawthorne. But the Hawks wanted him. So I think there's an opportunity there. Um, and if he, it's another one here. If he's get, getting that uh, centre bounce and high midfield usage in that last preseason game, uh, this is another player that could be on for uh, midfield action there as well. He's one to track. Uh, he was a high draft pick a couple of years ago, but he was uh, injured in his first year. And obviously COVID impacted and really hasn't had a good run or opportunity at it from pretty much anywhere. I thought last year it was his year to break out of Geelong, but it just didn't actually just didn't happen. But Chris um, Chris Scott can be like that. He doesn't really give opportunities to young blokes. And, you know, he, he, gives, he locks the whole run to him to make sure they're super ready. But I think, you know, with Cooper Stevens, I think it's the reverse here. You know, Chris Scott will hold on to him to make that sure they're super ready. Sam Mitchell Woods is going to throw him in there and see what they got, see what he's got. So it could be a mm. really good opportunity here for Stevens. Definitely one to watch over preseason for sure. Uh, and some uh, pretty sharp questions we've had from some of our listeners, eh? Yeah, yeah. The the, the one with Brent Daniels was good because that's that's one that's been I've been staring at for a while. I'm interested to see where he's at, and yeah, Cooper Stevens for sure as well. Just a one quick note before we move on to uh, the D's uh, was about Josh Weddle. So he won the time trial um, at the beginning of preseason. Is it? Do you think he could maybe slot into the team uh, to start Absolutely. the season? Uh, big watch on Weddle. Can't wait to get the NSC Hawks uh, trained at some stage in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, big watch on where he's going. Uh, it should be in D defence, hopefully. Uh, there's a bit of talk there coming out of the Hawthorne uh, last week or so that you know there could be a midfield, but I didn't really sort of pay that much attention to it, even though I think I did note it on aforratings.com.au. Uh, so it might be just something. It might be moving up in general play or whatever, but I expect him to start in defence. Uh, he'll be close. No, may, he'll be close, uh, but I think he'll get opportunities this year. Yes, you may remember Bales uh, on the man that sits on the other side of the desk from uh, AFL ratings. Pete Jepper uh, Weddell was uh, wasn't he number two in uh, yes. Jepper's defender ranks? Yep, yep, so, he was. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. All right, we're moving on to the D's. Alrighty, so similar type game style here as well. Uh, this is a very strong core midfield group, um, and and the one player that's going to add to that. Uh, this year, who went in there late last year, was Angus Brayshaw. Uh, a high, high uh, inside midfield usage is expected from my point of view. Um, but just, again, I think I'd mentioned this on the Plus Six pod last time, is that we, we actually do need to acknowledge that he brings versatility to that team. If Langdon or Hunter gets an injury for uh, Melbourne, I expect Brayshaw to go on the outside. But, you know, we don't want to build our teams based on injuries, you know, potential injuries as well. Or if there's an injury across the halfback line, he can go to the halfback line and cover there as well. So you just got to, like, a Clayton Oliver is midfield and midfield only, but Brayshaw brings versatility there. We just need to acknowledge that. But the start of the year, and I, like, completely healthy, and if that Melbourne have a pretty healthy year, he'll be inside midfield all year. So uh, that's what I expect for him. And we know previously, going back to when Selby won... Uh, AFL Fantasy, I think it was for the first time as well. He he picked this one out of the haystack and it was a super pick. I think it was a game in the Northern Territory where Brayshaw went off for like like 140, maybe 150, and all of a sudden you look at Selby's team. That was his trade-in for the week. So, yeah, that was through the midfield, I believe, at that stage. So, you know, he can put up serious numbers there. So that's one play. And obviously we're looking at him to starting him in defence. Um, like if he plays inside midfield all year, I expect him to be really up there for top six defender, if not pretty much a guarantee. Uh, the next one there as well, Christian Salen. So he's tracking quite well. He's very healthy, very slim from when I went down to D's training there a couple of weeks ago. Super slim, healthy, probably as healthy as I have seen him look over his career. So um, he'll take... 
He'll control all that ball out of the back line for the Demons. So that might be one to consider. And he's at a pretty generous price tag, I can see there as well. Uh, and the last one there is, and obviously he's probably sitting in most of our teams at the moment, is uh, Jacob Van Royen. So the one thing that, and again, the one thing that, that, that I can't get over is that how are Melbourne going to start with three key forwards? Uh, for me, like for me, and, and uh, others might have differing opinions. For me, it's still Ben Brown and Tom McDonald. So how is Van Royen fitting into that team? I do, like I can't see it. So when I was down there, uh, he was in the second for second team, so it was a team A, team B. So the team A was actually their first class, their first um, sorry team uh, playing versus their like seconds and, and a few reserve players thrown in there as well. But since then, he's gone into the first team as well. So he's going to be super close. You know what? Physically, he looks super ready. Like I, I have no issues with there. And his opportunities from when I did see him, he was clean. He got the ball, did his role. The other, the last thing we need to figure out with Van Royen is that you know, as a third tall, what's his scoring rate actually going to be? We know his bottom price, but if he's putting up thirties and forties with regards to net AFL fantasy score, which can be possible for a key forward, you know, it's not not all hundred point games here. You know, that, that's not really the um, doesn't really make much yeah, cash. Right. So, There's no, not much you can yeah, do with so it. The salary increase is. Not going to be great. So yeah, keep. It's maybe one thing that a lot of people have thought. Might be a green dot, but yeah. you know, it, that's probably we need know, to keep it. it might be a green dot. <laughs> yeah. All right, thoughts there. Now, nah, look. I mean, obviously, a lot to come out with the Gondi, Grundy, whatever the hell we're calling it anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think we just got to wait and see how that plays. I think there's just too many questions if there. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll I'll give a. Um, opinion of who I think is number one, and I think that's Gorn. Um, I think Gorn's that number one starting ruck, but I think it, you know, if, if I want to put a percentage split on it, it's probably about 65 35. So, so mm. there's a few things uh, that, that Melbourne are potentially going to do with Gorn and Grundy. I think Grundy's going to sit, sit uh, forward there as well, and that's another another thing that plays back into the Van Royen decision. If you got McDonald there, if you got Ben Brown there, if you got Gaunt, uh, sorry Grundy sitting forward, how does Van Royen get a game? Like he just doesn't work. he's ready, but it's just, it might be just about lack of opportunity here as well. So I, I hope the young guy gets a go and gets a go early because I think he's quality. Now, from from that point of view, Gorn will be in the ruck. Now, what I did notice there as well is a few things: is that at some stoppages, is that Grundy would come up and play a stoppage type midfielder player as well. And Gorn would take the majority of the hit-ins and, and obviously hit-outs there as well uh, from boundary throw-ins and obviously stoppages there as well. The other thing that I did notice is that Gorn and Grundy both sat behind their ball as well. So that's really interesting um, thread for opposition coaches. How would they actually counter that? I mean, you've got Stephen May back there as well. So that's it actually could be quite stingy from a defensive point of view this year in Melbourne. But you know, I think... We actually haven't seen this from a, you know two premium rucks in the one team. I think I think Melbourne are in a great situation to contend and contend deep into September this year. But yeah, I think it's but sixty five thirty five Gorn and then Grundy. Um, I think Grundy scores are more impacted if that's the answer that listeners are looking for. And I think Gorn could be there thereabouts. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's over a hundred again uh, average. Uh, but obviously with two premium rucks in the same team that they could chop each other out from a scoring point of view. Beautiful. Uh, North Melbourne's the next club up. On to North Melbourne. So, uh, again, yeah, it was high intense. The, the training session went down a few weeks ago. But, again, it was just one training session. 
But from the reports that I've heard come out of there since, it's been like that every time. So it's just great to see. So Clark has won, you know, when he was back at the Hawks and when they were winning their premierships uh, against West Coast and Sydney and all that, is, is that they would have precise ball movement chipping it around to each other to cut through opposition defences and zones and all that. So now if you look at the game style has changed and the rules have really played into Clarko's favour here, that stand on the mark rule is going to play into Clarko's hands. I can see um, a deliberate ball movement here, which actually sort of plays into a fantasy-friendly type game there as well. Um, so And it'll be sharp ball movement. So the players that we're potentially looking at uh, this year, I'll give you three here. So Will Phillips, um, he, surely he's in that round one team for me. Um, I expect him to play through the midfield. Uh, obviously, you've got some high midfield players in there already, so he'll be challenging for medium-type centre bounces. But I think he'll be used through general play through the middle of the ground. That's where I see his role. I don't see him sitting forward there pretty much at any stage there as well. So Will Phillips, strong pick there for me. Uh, Jai Simkin, uh, the one player, if the, Hawk, if the Kangaroo is going to start chipping this ball around with regards to precise ball movement, I think Jai Simkin can get there from a ceiling point of view. And I'll probably I'll throw in uh, LDU there as well, Luke Davies, Uniaki. He, he'll probably be in that same mix. But he's more of a contested bull type player there as well. And the last one there, Aaron Hall, interrupted preseason now. So, um, sideline a little bit. Achilles are here. Yeah, so, you, a sideline a little bit. So, um, you've got to expect if he's in that team, he's going to be a lot of distribution from that D50 uh, at North Melbourne. At exiting D50. So, but it's not going to be what it was like under David Noble. Uh, Noble, unfortunately, like, like the development wasn't there and the, the game plan was all over, this, all over the shop with regards to what North Melbourne were doing. And now there is more structure. Like, it's, 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 it's super. It was actually really good to see North Melbourne. They were super structured up and they know where the ball was going, but it's not going to be that Aaron Hall chip around to each other and get, like, 20 points in a three-minute scenario. The ball is going to go out of that D50, and they're going to try and chop through opposition zones with their ball moving up the ground. Um, so I think, you know, if Hall plays, his scoring could be quite solid, but I don't think it's it's going to be high, high top ceiling stuff. Mate, JS, friend of the show, did all our graphics, asked about Ben Cunnington. Yeah, I've I got to expect that like, it'll be midfield, um, but you've got to expect that, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good forward there as well, marking forward. So I, I expect a bit of a split midfield there for Cunnington. Yeah, cool. beautiful. And then uh, the other, only other player I wanted to speak about was uh, Harry Sheasel. So he's been getting a bit more love recently um, as the preseason has gone on. What do you expect his role to look like in the North East North Melbourne side? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question there as well because um, I, I'm starting to toy with starting him in my team, and and like I expect some forward usage as well. But he can, he can sit behind the ball, so let's just see how that one plays out. And I'll throw Blake Jury in there as well. So he's one that could be on our radar early in the season, if not throughout the season, to play there as well. But, you know, Kangaroos are quite solid at the moment. But, yeah, Sheasel, um, the one thing that, that it's standing out for me is that he's going to be playing. Like, I'm highly expecting him to be making his debut at round one. He's fit. He's solid. Um, he's obviously the green dot. But, yeah, I'm toying with him in my team to start at, at round one. Obviously, up there in price. And if he's playing across that half-forward line, his scoring can be volatile. But, you know, we need to take what we can get at times. You know, if, if Rookie's a little bit thin at this stage of the season, you know, there's one player that I can see playing every single game. Yeah, Tim, have you, I've got currently got Sheezel on my side. Tim, have you got Sheezel at the moment? Yeah, mate. Locked and loaded. Yeah, perfect. Good. 
Uh, beautiful. We'll move on to Port Adelaide. On to the power. So uh, Ken Hickley's going to bring some maniac ball movement from D50 to forward 50 this year. They're just going to run and gun. So if, for those who are old enough to remember 10 years ago for when they made the prelim, almost made a grand final, that was just frenetic like ball movement from D50 to F50. Uh, I think that's going to come back this year. So they want to move the ball as fast and as quick as possible through the middle of the ground. So that might just chop off, you know, a couple of plus sixes here from each midfielder there. Um, so the one player that we potentially going to be looking at here is Jason Horn Francis. Obviously, you know, I'm just, not, I'm absolutely completely ignoring what happened at North Melbourne last year. Just, just remove it. You know, just, let's go back to what he did at his under 18 year. And he was actually quite dominant. And he's going into the midfield of Port Adelaide and potentially could be, you know, Let's have a, let's have a guess here. Like fifty percent in that midfield to start. Like he's got the body. He's physically ready to compete at centre bounces. So let's see what plays out in the official practice match, um, and obviously the intra match against. I think one playing a Western Australian team there at one stage, and and um, rotating the second one at the second week over in Perth there in a couple of weeks. So let's just see what sort of high um, midfield usage he does get. Um, he's at that sort of mid price range. So I, I think it's. Priced at about 60, yeah, I think. Yeah, so, you know, it, yeah. it might be just a 70 to 80, So, which is, you know, do you really want to spend that much on that? So, so I think there's midfield usage here, and I think it's going to be quite solid. Let's just see how much. But, you know, you got Travis Boak, who um, Connor Rosie said with Aaron Bryans on ABC Radio yesterday, is that, you know, Travis Boak is going to go out there and play a little bit more forward this year. Because now they've got to start to fit these players in. Born France mm. comes in. You've got, you got Boak there. You've got Wines there. You've got Rosie there. You've got Butters there as well. And Butters is another one that we're going to talk about there because he's got forward um, eligibility. So, you know, what sort of percentage is he going to get? And he's at the right age where he's going to dominate through that midfield. So, um, and then you get the, you, you've got um, a couple of others in there that potentially get in there. Drew. Yeah, like, and it's clogging up a spot. Yeah, yeah, Drew in there as well. And potentially Sam Pepper as a pinch hit through that midfield there as well. So, I think it's going to be solid for Horn Francis, but is it enough? That might be the question that I'm asking myself at round one. Is it enough to warrant selection based on the prospect that you're going to have to spend to get him? And- yeah, the the thing, the one thing that worries me just with Horn Francis is if they have like a game where they may need to put attention into a player, maybe Horn Francis moved out, Drew plays more midfield and, and they run those other guys. That's probably the only thing that would worry me. But he's 553K, so he's, he's definitely around the mark um, as an option. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'll look at him. Uh, yeah, but let's just see where it um, flushes out in these preseason games. If he's in there and he's, he's contesting well at centre bounces, um, because you've got to think, you know, who's going to get those extracted uh, contested ball? You know, Battles will be un, in and under that pack when he can get there. He loves that. Uh, you've got Wines will be in that contested ball type zone. And, and Horn Francis can be both. He can be outside or inside. So, you know, and... You know, if, if Port Adelaide were playing a slow ball movement type game, I'd be all over Juan Francis. Because obviously you can pick up a stack of points in a short period of time. But when you're on solid, really fast ball movement, you pretty much only get one position and it can only be potentially a handball two points. So uh, you really got to pay attention to, you know, what's what sort of role that centre bounces is doing. Uh, I expect some, you know, half forward usage there as well. So let's just see what it plays out in that um, practice match coming practice matches coming up for Port Adelaide. And then we've got Connor Rosie in there as well. It's probably a bit of a generous price tag uh, for Rosie. I think there's upside here. Um, we did see him go into centre bounces, I think it was around five, around six last year, and he put up really decent numbers. I think we're going to see pretty similar role uh, to last year. 
and he pretty much confirmed that on ABC with Aaron Bryan's there yesterday as well. So similar role, I think a similar scoring output. So he's one to consider there. And uh, the one that's uh, popped up, obviously, for his price tag uh, is Josh Sin. So this is a, a pretty much a, a really interrupted preseason. I don't think he's going to get there for round one. Uh, so, but I think he wouldn't be too far away based on that. And uh, the role he will be coming in for is potentially a, a wing role. But then you've got Dersma there as well, and obviously Carl Amon departs Port Adelaide for Hawthorne there as well. So, your thoughts there? Yeah, so maybe maybe Josh Sin's probably, yeah, might be a, a downgrade target maybe um, early in the season, maybe first month or just after. But, um, Tim, I just wanted to see, have you got... Rosie or Butters or, or Horn France in your team at the moment? Oh, look, I am. I, I'm pretty locked with my team at the, at the moment uh, in terms of my structure. And I, I, you know, I keep flicking one of the players in defense and one of the players in the forward line. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of flicking between Rosie and Butters, but I would really much prefer to have um, Dunkley, Cogs, and Taranto there. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. up in the Tough air. one. Okay. Tough you one, can yeah. have them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I, yeah, if there's 30 playing rookies in the other positions so that I can afford to. I actually said on one of the group chats, I had one of the guys sent through his team and he literally, he just filled all the lines with basically the top defenders and then, you know, stitched the image together so it looked like he basically had uh, the best possible team he could have <laughs> and said he was pretty happy with yeah. his team. It'd be nice if he could do that. Elon Musk's budget. Yeah, obviously we can't have them all. We wish we could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Already on to the next one. So we've got Richmond. Uh, similar type game style for Richmond, front half game. Uh, but a couple of really significant changes for, for Richmond this year. Like, really significant. You know, we get Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto going into the middle of that ground. I expect Jacob Hopper to be very high, if not number one, um, centre bounce midfield uh, usage type player. Obviously, Prestier can be up there as well. He's had his injury issues the last few years and pretty much over his career, unfortunately. But I, th- I expect Hopper to be number one. So opportunity is there. And that is, a, is his primary role there as well. On to the next one. So Jaden Short, I expect him to go uh, to a half back role because now that you have two players coming into that midfield, that's going to push what was in there last year out. And Jaden Short goes to a half back role. And he has had an injury inter- interrupted preseason, but he's back to full fitness now. And the last one I'll just have on. Back to uh, the Giants coming in, uh, Tim Taranto. I expect him to be a lot more midfield usage than he was used at the Giants. Now, if we go back to what I just said about the Giants earlier, is that you had way too many mids and it was hard to get mid-time. So what you're going to find with Taranto, I think he's going to be have really solid midfield usage. He, he might, may spend time forward, but that's okay, as long as he's on the ground collecting points for the rest. Uh, but I expect it to be quite strong midfield usage here. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, he's one of the most selected players so far, so I definitely think he's a good option. I think he's currently in my side, and I think, Tim, you said he's in your side as well, didn't you? In and out, in and out. In and out, yeah, perfect, yeah. Um, I don't think there's too, much, too many other players in Richmond off the top of my head. Tim, is there anyone else from Richmond you want to ask Pete about? Uh, nothing from me, mate. Yeah, just kept, just kept an eye on the development of Samson Ryan there as well. So let's see how he slots in. Obviously, you have Nankervis, you have Soldo there as well, but you know, Samson Ryan might develop nicely there as well. Could be a nice little R3. Potentially. Yep. Yeah. On to the yep. next team. So we've got the Saints. So uh, Ross Lyon takes over from Brett Redden. And Ross Lyon's coming in with a different game plan than we, what we have seen previously with his uh, teams that he has coached. So they're going for a speed and fast ball movement. 
Now, a couple of things on the Saints here as well is that you know, a few weeks ago, they, they were struggling to get high numbers of players onto the ground. They had a pretty long injury list, which is what which isn't great, but from a fantasy point of view, it was actually starting to present some ideas. They're starting to get healthier now. Now, the one thing that we've really got to take into consideration here is that they, a lot of these players have stripped down weight. Like Jack Steele looks like, like really thin compared to what we've seen him at. So this is, a, this is a fast speed ball movement type game. So again, you know, we don't get the extra plus six. And the one player that I'm talking about here is Jack Steele. He used to sit there and, like, in general play, get a couple of plus sixes in a row. You know, he's only going to get one touch and that ball is going to go into the forward line. So that's where you could potentially see a drop off in points. I don't think it's going to be uh, a big drop, but I think we're going to see a bit of a, a shave down of what the highest mids can do. And that includes Crouch there as well. Um, the next one is Nazaria Wangani Malira. So, uh, Back in December, uh, threw out a tweet that he was playing and defence, and that's pretty much the way it's playing out for St Kilda. So they want to develop, develop him across halfback. And the one thing that you might see is um, uh, Wangani Malira is that when they're transitioning the ball from D50 to forward 50, he just takes off. So he might be an opportunity there as well. I expect Jack Sinclair to dominate ball control out of the Saints D50, and I expect him to put up really decent numbers there as well. But what we did see last year is that some teams target that quarterback type, and Jack Sinclair, Jack Sinclair would be in that range to be targeted for sure. Um, and the last one here is Royal Marshall. Obviously, the Saints, again, injury list here as well. King going out of that side starts to put pressure on. You know, what's going to happen with Marshall? But they're actually losing, they've actually lost quite a few tools there in that team. So I expect Ryan Marshall to be high ruck usage, uh, pretty much solo, hopefully solo, in that early part of the season. And we know his numbers, uh, without Paddy Ryder previously, were, were really, really solid. So uh, he's one player, if nothing changes from this point forward with regards to Ryan Marshall and St Kilda and how they're going to set up with the ruck, and I think it's just going to be just Marshall. I think he's going to put up very strong numbers. Your thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I, I think that Mia Marshall's a very good option, especially being so. I've pretty much had him penciled in as one of my rucks with Ryder retiring as long as he was a solo ruck. But uh, Tim, has is that how have you got him in your ruck lineup at the moment? Um, yeah, he's he's there. Look, obviously a few concerns, but I'm I'm I mean one of the things I try and do at this stage of the season is once I'm pretty happy with my picks, I try not to change them. I just try yeah. and leave them sit in there and let's let's just see how it plays out. We don't know what's going to happen. Plenty um, of preseason. You know, yeah. If, if you know if something happens and we got to make some changes, then I will. Um, but I, I, the other one I want to uh, raise was uh, the poo. Has done his calf? Has he? Uh, not too sure about that one. I'll have to follow up on that one. So uh... yeah, okay. I thought I heard. Um, I think I heard some injury reports about um, Matthias Philippou, who's obviously a pretty high, um, highly owned um, St Kilda. Wilson. Let's see what the official St Kilda release is when the next time they do an yeah. injury update to see whether yeah, okay. he's on there or not. All right, cool. It's not jump, uh, jump at shadows. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to be highly owned, I think, if, if he's fit for round one. So, do you see his? Uh, what do you see his role being, Pete? If he's in there, uh, round wing one? for me. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, so you'll see Brad Hill go on one, one uh, wing there, and man, he looks elite fit, like as fit as I've ever seen Bradley Hill over his, his career. He looks super fit. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Wanganee and Malira can go back onto a wing. Um, and Josh Battle could go back to defence, obviously, when he's healthy there as well. 
but yeah, Philippou, I'm expecting for a wing type role, and he might be in that range of sub, you know, or, or the 22nd player to be picked there as well. So he's just really got to take into consideration where he's going. But I think he, I, I think he's a, a quality player. So I think he'll get opportunity, and you know, if he can move through that midfield and, and help that fast ball movement, I think Ross Lyon will like him and like him early, and therefore become a, a, a consistent feature in that team. So let's see how he is at round one. Again, let's see practice matches, where he lines up. That opening centre bounce, the last official, and I've said it previously, if he's starting on a wing, look at he probably starts starting round one. Yep. Um, one last... last... Oh, oh, yeah. so hang on, we've got a last going. question, mate. Is that the last question? Arlo, um, wanting to ask about Nick Caulfield. Um, yes. yes, yeah, about Nick Caulfield. Uh, is he, uh, what's his role going to be look like? Because he's a very cheap price for us to potentially consider under 400k. Yeah, I just don't know where he fits in because he's not that fast, like, running type player and move the ball. And, look, he's a, like a slower type player. So I, I'm actually just going to sit off on this one and just wait to see how that flushes out over preseason, where he fits in. Um, I expect if he's going in there, like, halfback, defender type role. But, yeah, where does he fit in, and especially with that game style? So I'm not too sure yet. Um, this is one that I'm looking out for as well, how that all settles out over preseason games. Yeah, perfect. Another preseason watch there. So up to the Sydney Swans. Up to the Swans. So similar game style to last year, quite effective, made the grand final. Obviously not a great result in the grand final, but they were quite effective and they were really good. Um, so similar output this year. So here we go, Callum Mills. I expect high midfield usage there as well. Um, he did go back there as well during games just to plug a hole in defence. Um, you know, that might not happen this year, but it's always a potential. But, you know, if he's going back to sit in defence to t- take intercept marks, all good for me. I- I'm not sh- concerned about that type of role whatsoever. But, yeah, it'd be, otherwise it would be high midfield usage, so no issues there. Uh, the next one is Chad Warner. So I, I expect him to develop further. And the one thing that we need to get, and we, we won't know this until the season starts to play out, is that consistency, consistent high numbers from a fantasy perspective. Because he was inconsistent with regards to the numbers he was putting up last year. So that's the one thing, you know, again, we won't know uh, heading into round one, but it'll be high midfield use, usage, uh, high centre bounce numbers. So, it's, so the opportunity is there. It's just whether you want to commit to him starting at round one uh, and just, just cross your fingers and hopefully he can get there. Look, we know he can score. Uh, but, you know, that young, and he's still quite young, um, whether he can do that on a consistent basis. But, you know what? What we need is opportunity, and he's certainly going to get that. And the next one is Isaac Kenny. So last year, pre-last year, Longmire, Longmire was coming in and saying he's going to be in there more midfield time. Uh, and this is one of these coach speed things. Yes, that's the case. Um, Longmire did want to get him in there, but you know, once the season started, Longmire figured out, hang on a sec, we've got to have Henny forward there as well, because he offers that much that much of a mismatch um, in the forward line that, you know, he's more valuable in that forward line. And that's where you see the development of Warner come in and, you know, Henny didn't have to go in there. So it was just one of those things that started to play out when the season started and Henny spent a quite a bit more forward. He'll go in there, pinch hit, but I think it's going to be, you know, if we're putting a percentage on this, I think it's going to be like 80, 20 potentially forward midfield there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'd be a pre-season though without us, Mentioning the ghost Will Gould, do you see him getting a game, Pete, or do you just see him being still just on the outside looking in? Oh, he's on the outside looking in for me um, still. Um, yeah, like, like surely he's due. <laughs> it's like really surely he's due. But <laughs> Why would he still be on the list? Yeah, well, yeah, 
yeah, it's definitely a fascinating one. But this time last year, watching him pre-season games, he he looked a mile off it. Like like I had no inkling that he was going to play early last year. But you know, another year under his belt, and um, obviously he dropped a bit of weight there as well. And you know, the Swans have been quite you know, and just the moves that the Swans made in defense, like in the trade period, is McCartan coming in. That was no good for Gould. You know. And now, mm. and now yeah. there's another one there. They brought Francis into the team. That's this is no good for Gould because they're they're yeah. they're actually ahead of him, unfortunately. So um, and he got Ramp in that team, and you know others, and yeah, and obviously you got two McCartans at Sydney. So he, look, he's he's fighting a losing losing battle. Who who he needs to jump to get in that team because the Swans are actually quite solid in defence. So that's just that's just that's a wait and see. Maybe you know. Maybe he does get a start at some stage, but look at this stage, I can't see him playing many games really. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. We'll move on to Timmy's West Coast Eagles. Already West Coast, so uh, faster game style here for West Coast. Now, I did mention on my Twitter account today that um, a year ago that Adam Simpson wanted to implement changes. Now, there were a few factors why he couldn't, and obviously they were impacted by injuries. Like I think they had one present pre-season game last year where they lost like four players within 10 minutes and they were they were like long-term injuries so that really puts a strain on depth instantly um so they had some um fitness issues there as well and obviously they got impacted uh, by COVID early in this early in the year last year and obviously they had i think maybe they were the only team to have the outside players come in and play i think they might have been yeah. So they were absolutely literally smashed. And it wasn't just for one or two weeks. The, the whole season was a write-off. So a few things have changed there. Jet mentioned on the Plus 6 pod the other day, obviously a turnover of fitness staff. And you, you can just tell by looking at their faces when they do interviews. They've shaved off kilos here. And um, I expect, and the one thing that we need to take note of from a fantasy perspective is that when a team changes over a fitness uh, regime um sort of outfit in their team, there will be a spike in fitness. And I expect like players like Sheed, Yo, Shui, I expect even Shui to be, to, to be really super fit, hit round one. So there'll be a spike in performance here. Um, and one of those players, Dom Sheed, obviously you had him on your pod there a couple of weeks ago. Um, I expect midfield usage there as well. Uh, he's quite nicely priced. Uh, he's fully fit. He spoke recently and he said he's over his ankle injuries. Uh, from last year, ankle injury from last year, and he's ready to go. So there's one player that uh, we should be looking at. The next one is Elliot Yo. So he'll flip between midfield and um, halfback there as well. And they'll probably rotate through Shui there as well, which would be great. And then we just manage his fitness, and rather than get him in inside midfield and, and smash him up week in, week out, but, you know, one week if he's a bit sore, he can sit at halfback and just collect the plenty of ball. So, but I think, you know, the other player that we're going to factor in that little, like, three way rotation there is Ruben Jimby. So uh, he's, he's way on track for round one here at this stage. So I think the three of those guys there, Chewy, Yo and Jimby, they could be all the rotation there through midfield and half back. So just a few players there from West Coast Sports there. Yeah, Love well, them. Uh, have you, Tim, you still got uh, our, our friend of the show, Dom Shee, still locked in your side? Mate, uh, I'll send him a quick text after the show and just make sure it's all all good there. I mean, he, he was talking <laughs> about Yo and Jinby obviously doing the rotation. So I'm hoping that he gets a bit more midfield time than... Um, than that, and I think I think Shui they might be a little bit more um, delicate with, but yeah, I mean those those three players are all locked in my team, and 
And it's it's actually been a long time since West Coast Eagles players have been relevant. So it's it's good to have a few uh, a few on my side. Yeah, well, one that was really relevant, Pete, that I think we've had some uh, rumblings and stuff about Campbell Chesser not being ready for round one. Do you expect him to be eased in maybe uh, not until maybe within the first, after the first month of the yeah, season? Yeah, the conversation from Adam Simpson uh, recently was that, you know, he talked about patience and, you know, we just can't throw him in there early. And, and when you sort of get that type of talk coming out of a senior coach, you, you just got to think that, you know, it might be not round one. So um, I... I don't have Chester in my team at the moment. Based off uh, what Simo was saying, they're, they're going to be patient. You don't really want to smash him early in his career. Obviously, he missed a stack of footy last year. Um, and don't forget, like these these young guys, like 19 and 20, like if you remember back to COVID, they, these guys weren't playing footy. So how, how many games has he actually played in the last three years? And it's probably, what, five or six or ten, I think Simo said. So it's not much. So I... I'm expecting here from Chesser that they're going to build him up through the waffle and then bring him when he's yep. super ready and they're not going to do the reverse of throw a young guy in there, see what he can do, and then smash him up. So I think there's going to be a bit of a slow build here from Chesser. I don't expect him to be available for round one. I think it's going to be a, a build for the waffle. And But when he comes into that team, you've got to imagine that it, it's all ticks. Uh, he's ready to go. So that'll be uh, a wait and see and definitely a downgrade target. Because when he's coming into that team, I've got to, I've got to think West Coast coaching staff think that he's actually ready. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And then we're on to the final team, the Western Bulldogs. Okay, I floated out a bit of a tease yesterday on Twitter. And pretty much this is what I'm thinking about Western Bulldogs. So this is a tease. Now, this is a little bit long-winded. And we're actually almost 90 minutes at this point now. So we've, been, yeah, no. we're, we've been going a little bit. But oh, from when, when teams make trades and when they have – Obviously, the draft every year is that what does the how many key defenders does the team have? How many key forwards does the team have? Now, previous to last draft and last year, the dogs really struggled for key forward talent and key defender talent. Now, they drafted Jamara Eugle Hagen, they had Norton in there as well, but now they've recruited the Rory Lobb. Okay, again, this is really long winded here, so they're actually sure. really solid in the forward line for key forwards. Now, uh, Sam Darcy, he can play either forward or defence. And then you've got Josh Bruce there, who actually knows he can't get a spot. So he's going back to defence to try and get a spot there. But I think he's just a depth um, player at the moment there as well. So now if you go back to defence, uh, they've recruited Liam Jones. Uh, Sam Darcy, as I mentioned there as well. You've got Ryan Gardner, who Bevo loves. And you've got Alex Kett there as well. Now... They are structurally set, the Bulldogs, now. They've never been in this position previously, like, for, like as far as I know, since Bevo started at the Bulldogs. So what they played was a, like a flip-around handball-type game. So now when you consider that they're solid in key defence, and now they've got three genuine key targets up there in Lobb, Jamari Hagen and Aaron Norton, you know, what, you know what I was thinking that they might do? And this is, I've been think, sitting on this for months, and I've put it on your podcast first is that they're going to move so fast in that forward line because they've now they've got mismatches. They've got three quality targets up there. Oogle Hagen will take the third defender. Um, and I'm not saying that these guys are fantasy relevant. What I'm trying to say is that if they're going to move faster um, into that forward line, plays like McRae and, and, and Bont and that, they might see a bit of a shave-off. So Bevo's been a flip-around, um, high-possession-type uh, team. They, they don't need to be that now. 
Now, one one assistant coach I did listen to recently as well, he actually flagged that. But when he said that, my jaw dropped because I've been staring at this for months. And, and you know, are the Bulldogs going to move the ball quicker? And I think this could be a chance. Not saying it's a definite. Uh, what I did see training there a couple of weeks ago was was no hanging on to the ball. It was straight through the middle of the ground. Let's see if it plays out like that in a practice game. So, And you know what? The Bulldogs have only got one practice game. They declined to play another intra-club. So we're only going to get one look at the Bulldogs, and that's in that official practice match. Uh, so just to, before I get on to some players here, just thoughts on any one of those. My, my tease was that I think the Bulldogs are going to play a more direct game this year. Yeah, so I mean, I know you're going to now get into the players because that 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 brings up questions about players for me. Like in particular, Bont. Like now that they're so set forward, do you think Bont plays as much forward? I mean, we know that obviously Bevo can throw him forward he to shake the does tag. He doesn't need to. Yeah. So he's he's more and, and last year he he sat forward uh, because he was injury impacted. So he had some niggles here and there, and some of it was reported, some of it was not. So, but he did look a little bit slower. So he doesn't need to now because you get, and you know what, if they struggle, if Lob goes down with an injury or whatever, they just flip Darcy forward now. So, so mm. what you got to think is what does that do to Bont? Does he need to go forward to be a mismatch? No, he doesn't. He's in that midfield and he's going to be high, high midfield usage, but maybe you shave off a few points back the other way. So if they're going to move faster. Uh, For the game yeah, style. So, yeah. you know, the faster game style might not be correct or might not be correct here whatsoever. If, if that's the case, and if they're going to play the same game, game as what they did previously, Bont bon is well and truly on my radar because I'm expecting high midfield usage, high centre bounce usage. He's not needed in that forward line. I mean, here's a simple fact. I haven't heard of a single club that's talking about slowing the ball movement down. Everyone's speeding up their ball movement. That's the, like we said, the game has changed. That's the way that it's all going and there's just more and more clubs doing it. The only one of sort of in that range of slow ball movement is Justin Longmuir. That's the only one. Yeah. Wasn't there a, a bit of a talk about maybe Essendon potentially as well slowing down a bit? No. But then they came out and said the opposite. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So yep. just a quick, and this is why even me going to one training session, it, it doesn't give you the full picture. So that sort of came out from David King because he went to one training session. He gets on the Essendon. That's so right. So he gets on the Essendon. So you really got to consider how information is put out to us fantasy coaches. He goes to one training session, he does an interview on radio, and that gets plastered out on their platform. It's great, it's what he said, but it's one training session. And because SEN had pretty good uh, exposure, a lot of people believe, well, that's going to happen. I did see some tweets uh, pretty much after what he said, and everyone's going, well, this changes everything. Now I'm going to target Essendon players. Now, again, it was just a small piece because a couple of weeks later, Langford comes out and says, we're playing a front-half game. We're going to go as quick as possible. So that just actually blew that one apart. Um, so, again, yeah. it, again, even what Langford said, it's a one piece of the puzzle. So let's just see how that flushes out in pre-season game. And don't forget, there's change possible because we've got a new senior coach. Um, so you've got to expect a different um, approach to things of what previously Bren Rutten was doing. Um, and just back on the Essendon as well, there's like so many mids there fighting for midfield position. Um, it's just, yeah, it could be a mix and match for a while. Not a, you know, Parish and Merritt, I think there is going to be up there uh, for high centre bounce. You should shield there as well. But, you know, you've only got crumbs for the rest. So, um, yeah, just on that slow ball movement for Essendon, I don't think that's correct. But you know what? We'll see how we go in pre-season games and how the season plays out, if that was true or not. 
Sure. Yeah. Any other players you want to go through for the dogs, the Bulldogs? Yeah, Bailey Smith. So interrupted preseason, but I believe it was just mostly a loading uh, program that he was going on. Uh, okay. I don't think there's any issues here, so, and obviously with Dunkley going out, you know that there's more opportunities for premium midfielders in that uh, Bulldogs midfield, and I think Smith is right in that range. We seen him see him put up staggering scores last year. But over the course of the year, it wasn't consistent. Had some issues last year, missed some games. But if you go back and look at his numbers, that there were some there were some high quality, high point top games. So there's consideration there as well. Fitness wise, you know, interrupted preseason for me, it's just loading. Um, and then he looked quite fine for what I did see a couple of weeks ago. Like he looked super ready, and was just holding him back. Um, but yeah. Uh, definitely one to consider their high midfield usage. Uh, the next one who is probably going to struggle to get the round one is Adam Trelaw. Um, still doing not much as well. So hasn't even been able to get into preseason main training whatsoever so far. So uh, I've got to imagine, you know, because he can play inside midfield there as well. So, uh, but then we've seen Cody Waitman pinch in through there recently. Uh, we've seen um, Caleb Daniel, who I think who's, who's going to play a little bit of midfield this year. Because you'll get Bailey Dale go across halfback and you'll get uh, Richards be that halfback running type player. So, And this plays into my thought of what they're trying to do. You know, Dale, Caleb Daniel was that pinpoint slide picking out a, a, a teammate further up the field, slow ball movement type. If he's going into that midfield, therefore they're not going to play that because we know Bailey Dale is a run and gun type player. We know Ed Richards is a similar type, a bit slower, but you know, that's a run and gun, get the ball out of D15, just go. So Daniel into that midfield there as well. But yeah, Trelaw is going to struggle to get into that round one team. It might be a few weeks away. You know what? And then back into my thoughts on, you know, uh, Bulldogs stack with key forwards and key defenders. You know, does, does Tim English actually have to go forward? No. Does Tim English have to go back? Maybe if to fill in a hole across halfback, potentially. I expect high usage from Tim English between the arcs. You know, and, and if you look at his disposals over his career, he can collect a stack. So obviously he's mm. tall enough to get the hit outs. But, you know, if he's part of that midfield general play in transition, man, he could, he could actually put up a pretty decent average this year. Thoughts on any of those? No, I, mate, i got a question about Jack McRae, though. What do, you, what do you see as his split? Do you think he's high inside mid? Do you think he's he's getting some, you know, more of a rotation? The, the, the one thing that I look at is that the opportunities. Josh Dunkley goes out of that team, so that means a stack of midfield usage available. Obviously, we'll see some crumbs uh, spread out to other players, and Trelaw is not going to be there early. I think it's going to be high usage for McRae, and we know we can put up decent numbers. But if you go back, and if I am correct, they're going to move the ball a lot sharper. That might level out to be about the same average as what we did see last year, and pretty much you're, you're paying for what you get. Yeah. Yeah, here's my M1 at the moment. Yeah, right. Perfect. Well, I, sorry, yeah, yeah, so I... I flipped him in last week and I've, I've taken him out. He's only been in my team for about 2% of preseason. Mm. Yeah. Um, so but just before we let you go, Pete, we've obviously gone through all the cuts, but I just had one uh, list of questions sent through by Jace. We uh, didn't mention James Warport at, at the Hawks. How's he been tracking this preseason? Yeah, the, another one that needs to flush out for the Hawks over preseason. Where does he stand in that pre-season, last preseason game? If he's in there in high centre bounces, you know, there, there's an option to start with. But we did see, you know, intermediate and, and at times at like a barren field for Wapple and midfield usage last year. But, you know, with O'Meara and Mitchell out of that team, there are monster opportunities. You know, Newcomb will be in there, Ward will be in there, McKenzie hopefully gets in there at some stage, Wapple in there as well. Uh, Dylan Moore, 
you know, but Sam Mitchell might run you know, eight players through there over the course of the year. And don't forget with the Hawks, um, it's, it's still a development stage. So therefore, what we do see one week is what we might not see towards the end of the year or even the, the very yeah. next week. So there could be some volatility with Warple. Uh, definitely on my watch list as well, and there's probably plenty of others. But, you know, Newcomb, I think, is number one. I think he's pretty much a clear number one. I, I have Ward being up there as well. Um, you know, what, obviously, he's had, had an interrupted pre-season there as well. But, yeah, it's, with Warble, can he convince to be that one? We know he's we know he's won a best and fairest, but that was under Clarko. Mitchell might have a different scenario for Warple. So, yeah, let, let's see how he goes. Um, what would... if Obviously, consider from what at this point of the pre well in a couple of weeks, I, I want to see a high center bounce numbers. Then, like if I don't see high center bounce numbers and it's a pinch hit here and there, uh, I'm actually going to avoid Warple. So the, I think maybe one for the listeners, we need to see high center bounce numbers and around stoppages. So not just um, center bounce. Every time there's a ball up and a throw in from the boundary, it needs to be Warple in and, in and around those stoppages. If it's intermediate or moderate, uh, it's pretty much I am not going that way. Perfect. Well, that's I think we're going to cut it there because it's been a long and very informative I, I t- uh, Twitter space I here I told today. you it was going to be long. It was a monster. <laughs> yes, it's, oh, fa- it's fantastic. There's so much information there that all the fancy coaches and listeners are going to be able to really take uh, on board. Um, For anyone that's worried about how long it is, Bales, mate, just a recommendation. If if they do play it on one and a half times speed, it's still only an hour. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so but thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in and joining us. Uh, and thanks especially to those that sent any listener questions in or players we want to discuss. And uh, don't forget, you can always send questions through to us at AFL Fantasy Fans on Twitter. And Pete, and don't- Pete, what a legend, mate. Thanks for coming on today. Yes, yeah, uh, thanks, for God. thanks for having me on guys um all the best in your again all the best in your journey uh with your podcast yes new out there uh and yeah it's 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 actually not easy um when i remember when i did my first podcast with jeb uh, three years ago now um yeah it was I, I, like i won't go back and listen it was a train wreck for me but we got it out there but you, you guys will get there eventually um it sounds like a pretty casual chat but there's some good information there as well if you mix it all in i think the listeners appreciate there as well uh for, Perfect. Awesome, mate. Well, we know that, just quickly, we know that Pete does it all for the likes and the the, the retweets and the followers, so please give him massive support. You know, we really thank him for coming on. Just about um, yesterday, uh, listeners probably might not know this, but I think I'm going to have one more day off for the rest of the year, so a couple of weeks, and then it'll be 16-hour days every day, every single day. Wow. So... Yeah, no, definitely go and follow AFL ratings and, and the Plastics Pod and everywhere where Pete puts out all the information for us fantasy coaches because it's, it is, again, as Tim and Pete have mentioned, it's just it's short, sharp to the point and the juiciest information that you can get. So really appreciate you jumping on, Pete, as well. And for anyone that wants to tune into our other Twitter spaces, 4.30 p.m. Australian Western Standard Time every Sunday, which is 7.30 p.m. for all the eastern states for the Twitter space. And you can also get this uh, as a podcast on and from the AFL Fantasy Fanatics, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And if you can leave us a um, follow and review and rating, that would be very much appreciated as well. So, um, Tim, any final thoughts before we head off? No, mate, nothing for me. Where can the people find uh, you on the socials? Tim Guest AU, Twitter for fantasy stuff, uh, TikTok, Instagram for money stuff. 
Perfect. And then you can find me at Baleo Gang on all the socials as well. And there's also a new series, AFL Fantasy Head to Head, coming out tomorrow afternoon on my YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. So we hope you guys all have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you again at the same time next week. Thanks, Pete. And thanks, everyone. And we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you later.